What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 103 of the Game Explained Real Talk podcast. As always, I'm your host, Derek Bittner, and I'm joined today by Ash Polson. And we tried to get Andre on this, except he was up really late finishing up that uh, Mario moveset video for Smash Brothers, and he's kind of still asleep. So <laughs> we need to get it done. We got other things we need to do today. So it's like, well, sorry, Andre, not making it on. It's not that big of a surprise, honestly. <laughs> right. Like, oh no, Andre's not on a podcast. That's never happened before. <laughs> yeah, not exactly the most surprising thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, I've been... I guess I can explain that little cough real quick. Uh, I've been doing a lot of packing around the house because of getting... Uh, from the apartment because of getting in the new house. So I've been deep diving into my closets, and there's a lot of dust in there. So if you... Hear, yeah, I bet. Yeah, so I can... I got mostly over it. Like the first time I did it, it knocked me on my ass. Like I was just like, oh man, I'm just not feeling well. It just felt like crap. I'm like, geez. And now it's, I'm, I'm perfectly fine. I just have a little cough. Like it's that one of like, if you laugh a lot or something like that, it'll cause you to start coughing type thing. Uh huh. So yeah, it's, it's kind of amazing what you find when you're going through here. I found. Lots of Christmas ornaments, lots of like blankets I've kind of forgot about, uh, odds and ends, con stuff. Um, I found, I, I, as part of the con stuff, I found an old Mega Man Universe uh, like headband thing <laughs> that right. Capcom handed out one year at E3. So it's been interesting cleaning up the place. Yeah, actually, my, my wife and I have been doing much the same thing, a little bit of uh, spring cleaning just because we've been putting it off. And uh, we, we just basically want to be ready to just pick up and go when we're able to move. And, you know, we've been looking for a place for a while. And, of course, now I'm, I'm between full-time jobs. So, you know, we're going to obviously wait till I get a new full-time job to move. But we want to be completely ready when, when that time comes. So we've been going through and doing some, you know, deep cleaning and going through our closet and underneath our bed and stuff. And much like you, just found lots of things that just, you know, just are interesting and that we had forgotten about. And I actually found a, a Mega Man Universe foam buster as well uh, <laughs> recently. And I'm like, oh, wow, Mega Man Universe. That was a dark year. Yeah, it was. And it really, it really sure was. But, uh, you know, fast forward to however many years later it is now, and things sure have gotten a lot better for Mega Man fans. But uh, that, uh, yeah, definitely were in the trenches back then. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Just, it's it's a very odd feeling, and it, the funny thing is, is like uh, just as a quick update on the house, I'm mostly done. I just need to finish off the uh, my new home insurance, and then I'm just waiting for the settlement day, and then I can start moving my stuff in, which is which I'm really looking forward to because I have boxes everywhere. I have <laughs> I didn't have a lot of room to work with in the first place, and now I have I have even less. I just literally a little like box hallway to get to my door. <laughs> I bet, and that's just the worst feeling too. I hate having boxes everywhere, and just moving in general. Moving is just the worst, and mm -hmm. that's moving is really when you find out who your true friends are. Because you 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 can have all these people who say they're your friends, but if they're not there helping you on moving day, they're not your friends. So <laughs> it really that moving is one of those things where it's like you really separate the the rabble from the true friends that you have. <laughs> I, I've helped a lot of friends uh, move over the years. I don't uh -huh. know, like my one friend uh, is local. He's not going to be around. Uh, that that weekend, he didn't think he's going to be at a con. Perfectly valid okay. excuse. That's Honestly, fair. with the way I'm going to be slowly going over it, it's not like it's going to be a huge deal. And just uh, my mother helping out uh, with her big car or big um, like suburban will uh, cover yeah. most things. So I'm sure. not too concerned about not having a lot of people help. Um, 
feeling all right about that, especially since a lot of my you know big uh, close fr- friends are around the country at this point and they're not really around to help move. But you yeah. are right. Like when we were in that phase where everybody was moving around, like they'd help, I, uh, they would help me move or uh, I would help them move. It, it all kind of worked out. Yeah, yeah. So good times. But yeah, definitely. Definitely looking forward to it. But what have, what have you been up to lately, Ash? Uh, I've really just been in, in the review trenches. I've been so busy on uh, on you know GX stuff and, and especially reviews. Um, I've just been basically playing review games. And of course, last year uh, or last year, last last couple <laughs> of weeks, I had the Runner Three review go up, and then Mega Man Legacy Collection One and Two on Switch. And then pretty much immediately, I switched right over to uh, East Eight on Switch and Street Fighter Thirtieth Anniversary Collection. So I'm working on those and uh, really just kind of. That's really it. I mean, I'm, I've I've been focusing so much on game explain stuff, and of course, you know, uh, keeping things going in terms of kind of finding new opportunities and things like that. Mm-hmm. But um, otherwise, yeah, I've just been putting a little more of my you know uh, newfound time into uh, you know game explain stuff. And we just released uh, the Hive Swap Friend Sim Volume Four last uh, yesterday on Friday, and so I'm keeping that going with uh, you know work wise and. Uh, yeah, I haven't really had much time to play games outside of the ones I'm reviewing, of course. Uh, I wish <laughs> I, I had. But. I don't know where you'd find the time, considering like you still have Just Shapes and Beats coming up as well. Exactly, and, and I don't know. that's That might just have to be a little late, because I, apparently Switch codes for that are in limbo. So the game comes out on Thursday, and I don't see codes coming in for that, at least, obviously, until Monday at the earliest, perhaps later. So, you know basically Street Fighter is going to have to happen first and then I can focus on just shapes and beats. But yeah, that might have to be a little late just because switch codes are not going out for it yet. And it's less than a week away from release. So, um, you know, if nothing else, even if the head, the, re- the review does have to be a bit late, hopefully I can at least do a game and watch as soon as I get it and get that up mm-hmm. and uh, just show people how freaking awesome the game is because, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. So, uh, yeah, just been focusing on that, and I've, I've tried to jump into a little bit of Bloodstained Curse of the Moon because I got a, uh, I got a Switch code for that from Inti. Oh, you actually and got so, the—see, I'm still waiting on my PlayStation 4 code. I haven't gotten any, anything. Well, no, it was actually—it was just, a, like, a press code. Like, Inti, like, oh, Matt Papa, okay. like, he's, he, I know him. Like, he and I are, you know, acquaintances, so he actually sent me a code. So when my actual, like, backer code comes in, I'm just going to give that to whoever. Like, I'm just going to, you know— <laughs> to one of you guys if you want it, or I can, you know, post it in another Discord. But, uh, yeah, so I, I got a switch code just through him, and mm. then once my backer code comes in, I'll just give it to somebody. Yeah, it's a little disappointing how long uh, that it, it's not available for backers yet. You can buy it. It is, but yeah. But if you're a backer, you can't play it yet. I and mean, You don't want to buy it when you're a backer because, well, you technically already bought it. So it's a really crappy situation, and it's happened to me multiple times, especially with Shantae. Um, yeah. Because, again, I backed it for PS4, and PS4 always seems to be the last one to get anything. So I always get these Steam codes in them to make up for it, but I'm sorry. I do not like to play these games on my computer. I want to play them on my console. That's why I picked console. Right. And I know it's a it's making the best of a tough situation for them, but it's still just kind of disappointing. Especially when I was trying to play Curse of the Moon on Steam and it wouldn't recognize... Um, my Xbox 360 controller. So I had to literally play yeah. for that Game & Watch with WASD Ugh. and mouse clicks. See, you just you just summed up one of the many reasons that I I am console exclusive. I just I just don't play that many PC games. And that's you just explained why because <laughs> I've had so many problems 
with controllers not being recognized or or just especially being a Mac user. You're having that problem as a PC user. Imagine what it's like for a Mac user <laughs> who has additional compatibility compatibility issues who yeah, so I'll just have controllers that don't work and I just want to play a freaking platformer and it's like, you know what? No, I'm just gonna, just going to go back to my whatever console I can play this platformer on. I'm amazed but, uh, yeah. that I I got to the second boss. In my that is actually there. really with, yeah that's with that's those impressive. controls I got that far because I, I played to the second boss last night and and I mean it's not a difficult game by any means no. so far but playing with WASD that would make it difficult for sure mm-hmm. it was it was yeah weird at times how I had to like maneuver things and get used to it it was just uh, it was odd I om- I almost yeah. beat the the boss but an odd an odd jump yeah it was WASD uh, spacebar to jump. A left click to do your main weapon, right click to do Ugh. your secondary weapon, and then uh, Q and E to switch between characters. Oh, that's awful. <laughs> I would never want to play that game like that. No way. Yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd rather not play at all. So I'm, I'm just waiting for my uh, backer code. Hopefully that comes out right. in a decent time. Yeah. Um, yeah, hopefully they come out soon. Yeah, let's hope so. In the meantime, though, I did get Sushi Striker in. Uh, got nice. the full version. Uh, I have not had time to play it yet unfortunately uh i only well i got the chance to play it but i only played up until where the demo ends because as i was playing it uh news that we're going to be talking about later came out uh so i had to like well gotta stop now and by the time i was done with that i was like i'm going to bed (laughs) it's just one of those things so Yeah. yeah i just haven't had the chance to play it but since we didn't have the podcast last week i can actually uh talk about this now i got to do something fun uh Two weeks ago, which was uh, I got to go to New York again uh, for, an, oh, for right. a, an event, and it was for Sushi Striker. And what was really cool about it uh, was the fact that um, they held it at a place called Yo Sushi in New York, which is literally one of those conveyor sushi places. Yeah, uh, and I checked out the place online beforehand, and it looked like man, it looked good. <laughs> it looked really yeah. good. And I'm not a I'm not a sushi guy. I'm not a fan of seafood at all but I, I i've also but i've i've tried bits and pieces and been like yeah that's pretty good but i don't know what it's i never know what it's called and unfortunately mm-hmm. that happened here as well because it's a conveyor belt i don't know what that sushi is it's just like oh, oh. that looks interesting or like it could be pretty good so i try it out it's like oh that is really good uh-huh. uh so fortunately most of the sushi i tried was was excellent and uh, nice. I was going to ask you if you if you found something you're like oh it looks good and you were just horrified by how it actually tasted. No, no, I, I never tried anything that I wasn't actually a fan of. So, but I also didn't nice. go for like the typical one, which is salmon on top of rice. I tried the egg on top of rice <laughs> type. Oh, okay, one. Uh, they had that one there, but you no, know, it was really funny. It's like, I, I mean, I know I know it's a privilege. I know it's an like a extra extra thing that I can do, um, but I still kind of feel bad talking about it and like almost bragging but it's just one of those oh well little I'll, I'll do it for you then because you already know how much i i was like you know of all the press events i've gone to and i always you know they're always usually fun mm-hmm. i was like man i want to go to one at a sushi place where i just get free sushi and and there have been ones of course where the food spreads will include sushi and that's always really nice but i was so jealous because i'm like derek i love sushi why can't <laughs> they do that here there's so many sushi places in la they could do a sushi striker event at oh yeah and uh and it's i'm like you i actually don't like seafood at all but i do love sushi and um for whatever reason i like you'll never catch me getting like a grilled ahi tuna steak or like a grilled salmon ever i think fish is nasty when you grill it mm-hmm. but raw 
eating oh, sushi. I love sushi. Well, they, I don't there's get it, such but, a flavor profile with a lot of them yeah. that it just buries the seafood, honestly. Totally. And I just, I love sushi. So, no, you would not have had to ask me twice to go to that event, but I was so happy that you got to do it. And, uh, no, man, brag away. Anytime <laughs> you get to go eat free sushi, I say that's a cause worthy of bragging about. I think I had a, like, I, I basically went all out because, you know, because we got to try the game at PAX East, I knew what I was working with. So I would literally, right. like, I'd grab a plate, put it down where I'm where I'm sitting at, because they, unfortunately, they didn't have a place for us to grab direct feed footage. So it was all, like, in handheld mode. But it also kind of worked out because I could eat more easily, eat and play at the same time, which just wasn't great for footage reasons. Right. Um, which is honestly kind of funny. It's like, you know, basically Nintendo's just treating me to sushi at this point. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, and uh, so I'd grab a plate, but I was like, oh, that looks pretty good. I'll try it and play a level. And then, like, eat some of the sushi, like, probably have two of the sushi, and then play another level and just go through that. And then they kept coming, the, like, the waiters would keep coming around asking me if I wanted something. Like, hey, do you want a ramen? Sure. Hey, do you want a, nice. an appetizer of these uh, of these uh, the, these little sandwiches and um, uh, dumplings? I'm like, sure, I'll take yes, that. Yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> uh, do you want a, hey, do you want a margarita? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, yes so, to all the above. Uh, I think it's like, oh, uh, do you want miso soup? Sure. Send it over. I ate so much damn food. <laughs> I was that's, hey, that's what you got to do. There. I think I had a stack of like six plates. And no, and that's what she, I mean, that's that's how, like, I, if I know I'm going to a press event, I'll do the same thing. Like the uh, last week I went to Square Enix's pre-E3 uh, judges event where I got to play uh, more Shadow of the Tomb Raider as well as Dragon Quest XI. Mm-hmm. And... Every time I go to Square Enix's like E3 events every year, pretty much, so I know that they go all out for the food spreads, and that was true again this year. So I went the day I knew I was going, I didn't eat anything. I was like, well, I had like a little something just to kind of, you know, get me through the day. But I was like, nope, I'm not eating beforehand. I'm not going to even go satisfied or even a little satisfied <laughs> because I know that they're going to treat me to some amazing food. And of course, when I got there, it was like peppercorn encrusted steak and oh tri-tip and, and like barbecue chicken and like fish fillets and and mashed potatoes and all this and square enix always that goes sounds all way like, fancy okay. i mean i'm feeling bad about a amazing. sushi spread and you're getting like steaks and crap i'm like what oh the? but dude i was still I'll, i'd take sushi that's how much i love sushi wow. i would take sushi over any of that but they had like an open bar too and i'm just like yeah i mean you obviously there's you know once you've gone to the gone to these enough you'd know how to like not be impressed by them and you'd like you'd never let it color your gameplay oh yeah and even then but like yeah you sure still enjoy it and you and you take advantage of it for what it's worth because it's hey they're feeding you and it's awesome food so (laughs) well yes i will take this perk (laughs) (laughs) exactly it's like yes if you're gonna feed me and put tri-tip in my face then why yes i'll have some (laughs) yeah now it's just a matter of like i actually when i was at the grocery like obviously it's a grocery store sushi so it's not as good but i did take a look as like to see if i recognize any of the ones i had and i didn't see any of them like hmm (laughs) right so who knows? Maybe I'll try some next time, and the next time I go to a sushi place and just say, "Let me try this assortment, and we'll see what happens." Type thing. Nice. So, yeah. uh, but you know, I am looking forward to playing more of the game. I, I think there's a lot of charm to it, and uh, so glad that Nintendo actually did put out a demo for it. Like, thank God. No, me too. And I've, I've actually I, seen a I lot know. of people be become converts. Like, that. oh, I actually am interested in this now. Yeah, well, I mean, I was just, I was thinking, we were talking about, uh, we're not talking about it, John kind of, uh, in, in our Discord, kind of volunteered the information, like, wow, 
I went into this because he went to an event too, and he was like, uh, recently, and he was like, they had Sushi's Trekker. I did not care about it. And then I'm like, whoa, it's a lot of fun. I'm like, it's exactly what the two of us, that's exactly the experience we had at PAX, where mm-hmm. we're like, we're going into this thing not caring about it at all. And then within 20 minutes, we were converts. <laughs> yeah, it really doesn't take long. You just get the, no, you get the feel of the flow and then all the introductions. And now that I've had the full game, and it, well, now that I've played the demo, you get to see more of the um, personality that it all has with the uh, with the cutscenes and whatnot. And it is, oh, it's totally Saturday morning cartoon and works. Like, I don't know if right. you've got a chance to play the demo yet, but yeah, it's pretty great. I have no, not the demo, only the one, not the one they released, only the one at PAX East that we played in our appointment. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, hopefully after I finish like Street Fighter 30th Anniversary Collection or something like that, I can dip into the Sushi Strikers demo. There's just, yeah, I'm, I'm playing so much right now just to review. Yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, trying to think if there's anything else I've done recently. Not really. Um I did see I, – I saw Deadpool 2. Have you seen that yet? I have not yet, unfortunately. Uh, next week I'm hoping we get to. Yeah. I, yeah, I went and saw that and uh, I enjoyed it. I, I'm, yeah. It might, I haven't seen the first one in a while, so I'm not, sure, I'm not exactly sure if it's better than the first. I will say that it takes a little longer to really get into it. Like I was laughing, but I was like, eh, it's okay. Uh-huh. And, uh, for, the, like, for the first half. And then you get to a certain point – and it just, it just really, it gets funnier and funnier uh, nice. as it gets to the nice. end. So it's like a bit of a slow start, but if you hang in there, it does, it does get really good. And uh, the stuff they do with X Force is amazing. I, I like, okay. was dying with it. Uh, and honestly, the best character of the movie is Domino. Oh yeah. Um, are you aware of what you, you've seen Domino from the trailers and whatnot, right? I don't think I had not knowingly. I've only seen the trailers, kind of like you know, and, and recognizing, of course, Deadpool and Negasonic uh, Teenage Warhead and Cable. But I don't know if I know Domino as much. Yeah, Domino is the um, black woman that's featured a lot in the trailers. Okay, and I her, ha- okay, so I know she is. Yeah. yeah, her power is all about luck, and there's always this debate back and forth about how luck is not a an, not a power. It's not interesting. It's not cool visually and whatnot. And of course, the movie constantly shows how amazing it always is. Nice. Like that kind of reminds me of uh, Fortune from Metal Gear Solid 2, actually. A little bit. I, I Except I Domino's cooler than Fortune. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Way cooler, yeah. yeah. Fortune was kind of a nothing character. Yeah. She really was. Yeah. Like, cool concept, but it was just, eh, kind of fell flat. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, no, I, I, I think you'll really enjoy uh, Deadpool 2. And yeah, no, I'm looking forward to seeing it for sure. It's just uh, a matter of, you know, my wife and I having, you know, a free night just to go see it. But I think we're going to try to go see it on... Uh, Tuesday, actually. So, I actually, um, I've not seen Solo yet. Uh, I haven't either. I don't think I really planned to. It just came. It just came out this uh, weekend, Um, right? So, I might see it later. I don't know. Uh, It's one of those things where I'm I'm vaguely interested in it because hey, it's Star Wars, and Mm -hmm. but and the reviews are coming out, and it's not. It's like even though the trouble production, it's like it's not a bad movie. It's just sort of it's 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 a good average movie. Yeah, and the thing is, like, I'm not enough of a Star Wars fan to go out of my way to see a good average Star Wars movie. Like, I, I'll, <laughs> yeah. like I'll, I'll, you know, I want to see the tinpole ones, like, just, you know, episode seven, eight, nine, whatever. And I might even see Rogue One at some point, but I just, I don't care about the character of Han Solo or the Star Wars universe enough 
to go watch a movie about young Han Solo. You know what I mean? Yeah, I can I can totally understand that. I am disappointed though that I uh, I came across a spoiler for the movie. Oh no! Uh, and it's one of those things where it wasn't directly said, but it was like I saw something I saw something mentioned, and then I saw like articles pop up about uh, talking about that scene or that surprise, and I'm like. I put two and two, two and two together. I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> yeah. It just had that whole thing. Like, I have no idea the context. I'm sure it's still fun in its own way. But it's still it's still one of those things like, man, that would have been a really cool thing to have happen in the theater when I finally see it. Well, and I, and I feel like it's kind of hard, too, when you're dealing with movies like this that are prequels. Because, like, I, I remember Basola and I were watching the trailer, I think, when we went to go see Avengers Infinity War. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and yeah, we're not the biggest Star Wars fans anyway, but whatever. We're watching the trailer. I'm like, okay, it looks pretty cool. But there's this part near the end where it looks like Chewbacca's going to be in mortal danger. And it's like, well, wait a minute. He, <laughs> you know he's not. Like, he, he's fine. You know that everybody in this movie, other than people who aren't in later movies, are going to be fine. Mm-hmm. So it's really hard for me to, for you to keep my suspense up because I'm like, wait a minute, but I know these characters are all fine. It kind of is the same reason where I thought it was a really bad idea that they chose to open Final Fantasy XV with that flash forward, uh, you know, later into the game where they're all back in Insomnia, uh, you know, fighting in Insomnia. Because it's like, well, wait a minute, you're already telling us that all four bros survive <laughs> th- throughout, you know, the vast majority of the game, which is fine, but it's like that uh, that takes away any any sense of mortality that they might have going through the game, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I know exactly what you mean. And it is a tricky balance to have because I've seen some prequels where you know nothing's bad is going to happen to it, but they can still ratchet up that danger, like, oh boy. It all, it's, I think it's most effective when it's like something about the character is missing. Like, well, yeah, and, and I was going like, to say, going back to that, yeah, like, like e- even though I said what I said, it was still true that they were able to make something happen effectively to one of the bros anyway mm-hmm. in FF15, so yeah. Yeah, I have no idea what you're talking about, but one of the things... Well, I, mean, I didn't want to spoil anything, Exactly, yeah. thank you for that. Um, yeah, one of, of the things that uh, <clears throat> brought, to my, well, brought to my mind is you're playing Metal Gear Solid 3, and obviously, boss, big bo- the future oh, yeah. big boss has both eyes. Right, and this shows you like you have that danger. Like, how does he lose the eye? How does he that's lose the true. eye? That's true. Yeah, that's true. I remember I was always thinking about that, and when I knew that moment was coming up, it was getting me. Yeah, it was. I couldn't watch the screen because I knew something was about to happen. <laughs> so yeah, it, 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 there's still ways they can make this work. Mm-hmm. But oh well, uh, I'm trying to think of anything else going on for me, but no, not really. Yeah, I think uh, just really I've just been focusing on playing these games for review. And uh, I mean, I, 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 of course, I can can talk about it a little bit in in general terms because the game is already out on other platforms. But I am having a lot of fun discovering East. Like uh, the East series is always one that I've really wanted to get into. And I've kind of always existed in orbit of. But Mm -hmm. for whatever reason, I just never really got just had a chance to get into it. But they're just, as I understand it, always have been these really fun action RPGs. And so far, what I've played of East 8, that bears out. It's like, it's a lot of fun. And uh, I'm really just happy to have had the chance to really kind of finally discover this series eight games in. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's also, it's one of those that uh, you don't have to play the previous games, I'm assuming, in order to... Exactly. Yeah. I, I don't know if they're all... I've heard that some of them, are. They, they kind of have like a like a plot thread that carries through multiple games. But this specific one, East 8 is very much its own standalone story. I think it takes place some, somewhere in the middle 
of all the games, and it's just very much its own standalone story. Okay, I know yeah. uh, when the Wii uh, the Wii Shop was cl- shutting down, I was going through and was like, I basically like, all right, I'm gonna buy fifty dollars worth of uh, points, and let me you know figure it out so I have nothing left and buy a bunch of uh-huh. stuff and get that. And uh, the East One and Two collection, uh, book one and two uh, thing release for right. Turbo Graphics, was one of the games I picked up, and I played it a little bit. I'm like. First of all, I mean it's it is you know turbo graphics, so you actually have some crude animated cutscenes in that yeah. classic style. That's impressive. Two, the voice acting is surprisingly good for the for the era. Was it really like nice? Li- like not like fantastic, but still, it's not like broken in- English or anything like that. It actually is like carries some weight to it, and, and nice. I think it has like I think it's just been a narrator so far. Three, the graphics still look pretty damn good, and four, yeah. it's 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 entertaining. It really is. Like, as far as an action RPG of the, of the time, though, it's literally you ramming your character into <laughs> other characters. Like, you're not actually pushing uh-huh. buttons to mo- do combos like Zelda or anything like that. It's uh-huh. literally like run your character in there, and then you'll automatically heal for a little bit, and then run your character in there. And it's 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 weird, but it's it happens quick enough, and you feel, do feel the satisfaction. It's like, ooh, I leveled up, and now when I ram into this this enemy, they die a lot quicker. Yeah, so like it was like one of those really, really old-school action RPGs mm-hmm. at the onset. Like, super, yeah. Yeah, but there's still charm to it. And man, the music, holy crap. Yep. I was going to say, like, like that's another thing I've been looking forward to getting into East, or at least discovering the series, is because Falcom, man. Like, Falcom is known for having incredible soundtracks. The Falcom sound team just does amazing stuff. And so far, East 8, I completely see why this sound team is so beloved, because the soundtrack is so good. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, it's... I was like, wow. I, I do want to take some time. Like, there's a bunch of old RPGs I have that I'd love to take the time to, like, play and get through. Like, oh, of course. I, yeah. ha- I have, you know, I got East now, books one and two. I have uh, the both Lunar games on PlayStation 1. I have Sui oh, in one and two. Um, trying to think what else. I have, of course, I got Skies of Arcadia Legends, which I do plan to stream at one point, at some point. Uh-huh. Uh, just these classic. Like, part of me does want to go through these, go, start playing these classic rpgs for streams but i'm like also like do i want to enjoy it on my own and is there enough interest that people would actually want to see me stream these old games right no i i still want to stream illusion of gaia at some point i had such a great time streaming chrono trigger every week and i, I definitely want to do another long-term stream and uh we need I'm to still if we could figure out how to get you so you, we can schedule you i like we need to make it happen because i'm totally okay i know it'd be nice but uh yeah i just i still there's just no way for me to schedule a stream through uh, what is it? Game Capture Elgato on Mac. It's just so annoying. Oh mm-hmm. God. Yeah. It's, I but uh, yeah, I would it. love to do another long-term stream like Illusion of Gaia or something like that. People are still getting on me to stream Mega Man X3 and Mega Man 8 because I <laughs> never did back back in the day. Because you know, back when I was streaming the Mega Man games, there was really no good way of streaming Mega Man 8. Yeah. For me. So now that the Legacy Collections are out, though, I actually want to go back and do that and, uh, I guess, also stream X3 once uh, the X Legacy Collections well, are. Actually, probably all of them. Yeah, exactly. X3 through X8. <laughs> you have plenty of time, though. I don't want to stream X6 or 7 at all. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Suffer but, for the uh, fans, you know, Ash. Suffer for the fans. I know, fans. right? So, yeah, but I, I definitely do um, want to do some more streams because I think the last one I did was, uh, I think it was just when, it was just a... Switch stream, right? I think it was like, oh, the oh, yeah. Switch anniversary stream was like the last long-term stream I did. Yeah. And uh, 
And of course, it makes sense. I mean, basically, because I'm un- I'm unable to stream them, one of you has to be around to, to you know press the button when I want to stream, which obviously makes it a, a kind of a pain. Yeah, I mean, you, you still but. automatically stream to it. We don't have to be there for that. The problem is, is that for whatever reason, uh, when you stream to YouTube and make it do it in a live sense like that, everything gets reset. So even though I, oh, I, I, I made all the changes and whatnot, it'll clear it all out to what it was before, and I have to put oh, in all the new information. that's why it is. Oh, so, that, okay, that, well, that makes sense. Yeah, I have okay. to do it at the beginning, and when you end, it'll do the same thing, and it still oh, doesn't. Oh, Jesus, that is annoying. Okay. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I get it. That is why it's such a pain, and especially because uh, it's not easily accessed. Uh, uh-huh. For whatever reason, it's sort of hidden behind until it becomes live, and it, it takes a while, and it's... It's just a lot more of a pain, and I don't know, understand it. It should be. You know, that's just Elgato in general, I've come to find. Well, I think like, that's, that's also MO. YouTube in general. A lot more of a pain than it should be. Yeah, good point. Maybe I should just stream to Twitch instead, uh, our, our Twitch in the meantime. Maybe. You get some use out of our Twitch channel. Maybe. I mean, we haven't really done much with it. I know. We never really do much with it. Yeah. And the problem with the problem with Twitch is that you'd have to record it at the same time, and then we'd have to upload right. it later. And that's part right. of the reason we stopped going to Twitch is because it's just easier to do, like, hey, we're done. It's going to be up on YouTube automatically, so. That's way better, yeah. Hands off. I mean, way better for yeah. us. I understand it for Twitch streamers and how it works out better for them. But just for us personally and with what, uh, right. everything else we have to do, so much easier to have it on YouTube. And that is why we Well, especially YouTube. when we're, you know, our main presence is on YouTube exactly. as well. So, yeah, that makes sense. Yep. But eh, well, hopefully someday we'll get into these classics and maybe mentioning them on this will get people interested. <laughs> it's like, yeah. yeah, yeah, stream Lunar, stream uh, Illusion of Gaia, stream uh, Lunar's so this. good. Oh, I remember playing it back in the day and uh, my yeah. friend telling me how, like, oh, yeah, enemies level up with you. Like, what? Because I'm at that yeah. point, I'm, like, used to the grinding. Like, oh, man, I'm at this part. Let's just grind and I'll be fine. Like, nope, enemies level up with you. That's bull. <laughs> That's yeah. not fair. Yeah, definitely. I, Lunar is is still, you know, definitely from that era of JRPGs that was really grindy and and just focused on kind of that repetition, which is, you know, one of the things I don't think is aged well about it. But still, just the pure, just the pure storytelling, the charm, the characters. It's such an old school JRPG in so many great ways. Mm-hmm. I just love Lunar. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. I just I think it'd be fun. Uh, plus, I'd, I'd like to go back and play a bunch of the old Dragon Quests. Right. So, too many good RP, good old RPGs to play. <laughs> That's for sure. So, well, let's go ahead and jump into our news topics for the week. And we have a little bit more than usual, just because it has been uh, a little bit we, since we missed last week. So, cover a bit of a little bit of everything. Um, but yeah, uh, first up is Nintendo has announced the NES Classic will be returning to store shelves on June 29th. And both it and the SNES Classic will remain rev- available until the end of the year. So it's good to have a date on that. Uh, I'm definitely going to do my best to get myself an NES Classic this time around and uh, actually have one of those. Uh, I actually did find a second SNES Classic, but I uh, need to decide. I'm still like, do I want it as backup uh, or do I give it, uh, is it for my, should I give it to my nephew when he gets a little bit older? So I'm still sort of like, it's good to have, you know? Ah, uh-huh. for sure. Yeah, and, and I, I it's easy, I guess, to take the tact like, well, okay, we'll see if they actually keep it on store shelves this time. But, <laughs> you know, they actually did do a pretty pretty good job with the SNES Classic launch. And, you know, that generally it felt like people who wanted to get an SNES Classic were able to get it. So Yeah, 
if that bears out, then you know, with this this NES Classic relaunch, then maybe they really will keep both on store shelves through the end of the year. I, let's, let's hope so. I mean, I still see every so often it's like, hey, SNES Classic is now in stock on Amazon, on GameStop. Yeah, I do here. too. And it, it seems like it'd be pretty easy to get one if you'd like. And I actually just found an SNES Classic when I was at a Toys R Us before it started closing. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and yeah, I was like, you know, I, there was two there and I was like, do I want to get both or should I just get one? It's like, no, I'll just uh-huh. get one. <laughs> yeah. And decide what to do with it at some point. But yep. Uh, it's 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 cool to have, and I'll try it. I don't know if the funny thing is is like I'm probably less excited for the NES Classic than I was the SNES Classic, just because. Eh. Yeah, well, it also has kind of a less interesting lineup of games mm-hmm. too. It is yeah. it is kind of funny about that. But speaking of, uh, Nintendo has applied for an N64 trademark, which could be nothing, or it could be the early signs of a maybe announced N64 Classic. And that would be right. interesting. That would be, which uh, you know, that we could speculate all day in terms of a of a potential game lineup for an N sixty four classic. But yeah, it is super exciting. I of course would be there for one day one. I I said this before in kind of our recent virtual console discussions, but I'm kind of looking at them you know a little differently now. The the classics <laughs> line is like as much as I love my little baby NES and baby SNES, I can't help but look at them slightly with disdain now because I know that they're basically the reason we're we're not getting a really nice you know virtual console esque solution. But just on the think, Switch, next but... year we'll be able to get a GameCube classic. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, that, I mean, and the, I I do want my entire lineup of, of you know baby Nintendo systems for sure, but at the same time, I also really want all those games digitally on my Switch. So it's really hard for me to kind of you know reconcile the two. But mm-hmm. yeah, hey, you know, if you yeah, you, if you tell me a baby N sixty four is in production, I'm obviously going to get one. I'm yeah, that'd be great. But yeah, it, this could be nothing. That's it's so hard with trademark stories. I did a I did a trademark related update uh, on GX I think last week or two weeks ago where you probably I think you might even edit it together, Derek. Mm-hmm. Where it was Nintendo just renewing the trademarks for like basically every IP under their umbrella, and of course it's one of those things where we have to report on it because hey, they're updating stuff like the legendary Starfy and We Fit and <laughs> stuff that hasn't been updated in years. But because it's a trademark related story, you always have to ca- take that angle like. Guys, it's, it really is probably just Nintendo renewing their trademarks. Yeah, it's probably nothing. It. But yeah, that's the thing about trademark stories is you never really know. There could be something or it could be completely nothing. Yeah. it's, it's I don't know. It's, I can't really say for sure. But yeah, I, I think what I'm most curious about for the N64 Classic is like, okay, we had 30 NES games. We had 21 SNES games. Are we going to stick to 20 or are they going to lower to something like 15 N64 games? Yeah, I know. I, yeah, I could see them lowering it even further, to be honest, because they're you know they're looking at the price per game is kind of a factor. It did it did kind of seem strange that the SNES Classic had so many fewer games than the NES Classic. Not that it had to have the same exact number, but it just didn't feel like there's a good reason to have nine less games, mm-hmm. especially for twenty more dollars. Yeah, and hackers have proven that you can fit pretty much the entire SNES library on there. Yeah, I mean, so it's really hard to, yeah, it's it feels like they could just keep kind of lowering the amount of games for that kind of perceived value thing, but... Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, know. there's not a ton of N64 games, but there's also a lot of really good ones. Like, obviously, we get Mario 64, we get Mario Kart, we get Star Fox, Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask... Pilot Wings. Pilot Wings, um, Wave Race... 
Yeah. Uh, trying to think of other ones. Majora's Mask. You might have said that. Yeah, I yeah. said that one. So right off the hand, like seven off the top of my head from Nintendo themselves. Oh, Smash Brothers, eight. Of course, um, yeah. But then, of Mar- course, you get into the Kirby Mario 64. Parties. Kirby 64. But then you get into, like, well, which third parties are going to show up. And you really, I mean, I, yes, you can technically have an N64 classic without rare games. You can. Mm-hmm. But should you? No. No. You probably shouldn't. So, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I like- can see them not having GoldenEye because that's a whole different licensing nightmare. But they've got to at least have Banjo-Kazooie and Banjo-Tooie. Like, yeah. And, like, you know, stuff like Jet Force Gemini. and I mean, they can kind uh, of get away Court. with it because they have DK64, but that's just not as beloved as... Banjo-Kazooie. Exactly. Like, they've got to at least have Banjo-Kazooie. If, if not Tui, fine. I get not having Tui to a degree, but you got to have BK. You just yeah. have to. And I doubt we'd have Blast Core. Yeah, I, although that would be nice. Like, Blast Core was seminal. Like, you got to have Blast Core, I think, and, and it would be nice to have something like Jet Force Gemini. Mm-hmm. I mean, but, the funny thing is, yeah. like, no, I mean, other. oh, wait, it would have Paper, it probably would have Paper Mario, because that would be the only RPG they could put on there. Um, they could put on Quest 64. Or unless Square allowed them <laughs> to put on um, Ogre Battle 64, which is the third, like, again, th- only That's three true. RPGs, so, the, and two of them were good, but. <laughs> it would be kind of a curious relic from the past if, if Capcom uh, had them put Mega Man 64 on there, just as kind of like that. It you know, I don't know. I don't think that many people play the N64 port of Mega Man Legends. And it is the inferior version. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I, honest, I honestly would think it'd be a waste of a spot. Personally, it yeah, it probably would be. Um, you just like the, the, the Castlevania games for N64 would be a oh waste. Oh god, of, yeah. Waste of I almost too. want them on there just because I've never played them. Just and for I'm the, just curious. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's you know it's unlike Legends, they haven't really appeared elsewhere. So right. I'd be like, you know what? This would be interesting to see. <laughs> no, that's a good point. And I, I, I've heard they're just terrible. I heard the second one is better, mm-hmm. but still not a particularly great game. But that they're both just, you know, not not the best representations of Castlevania you could possibly find. Yeah, I could see myself actually playing those for like a hollow stream uh, year. Sure. If I found a one in oh, 64, yeah. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, no, I think so too. Um, I think we, uh, what else? I guess we wouldn't really have much from Square Enix, which is weird to think about. Uh, I know, that was back when, yeah, back when kind of oh, there was man. a moratorium on Nintendo Square content. Enix, they could put Mischief Makers on there. Yeah, I was thinking that Mischief Makers would be awesome. Oh, they yeah. should totally do that. And, you know, even if they don't do Castlevania, Konami should put Goemon 64 on there because Goemon 64 was so good. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, Bom- so Bomberman good. 64. Bomberman Hero. Yeah. Like yeah, there. So yeah, if you get if you get the right third parties involved, and it's funny that we're considering Konami one of the right third parties, but if, if Konami is willing to get involved, this could be really cool. One of the times, yeah. I mean, yeah. do you think that? I guess they would only put one of the Mario parties on there, and my guess it would be it would be two. Probably, yeah. I almost want to say it would be the original, just because they'd be oh, like, God, you know, I hope it's not. the classic. Because you know they put uh, you know they they put DKC one over DKC two on the SNES Classic. True, but you don't need a new set that. of kids ruining their palms. Good point. You know that's a great point actually. So for that reason alone, it probably would be two or three actually. Now that I think about it, <laughs> I saw somebody suggest like, oh, if well we've got the uh, Star Fox two on SNES Classic, maybe we'll get the Earthbound uh, three uh, <laughs> Earthbound two prototype for N sixty four. Yeah, that would be awesome, but never going to happen. No, never going to happen. It, we can't even get the real Mother 3. We can't get the finished Mother 3 <laughs> over here. We're not going to get a prototype. Oh, God. 
But I, I, I'm excited. Like when I like the funny thing is when I think N64, I don't think of that many games. But when you start uh-huh. listing them all out, like yeah, you know, N64 does have 20 really good games that they could put on this. So I do hope it's yeah. closer to 20. But I don't know. I'm not holding out my hope, holding my breath. I, I guess. could see it being something like 16 or 18 or something like that. Yeah, something like that. We'll see. Yeah. But man, instant buy if Mischief Makers is on there. Oh, totally. Yeah, because they get you got to go to the Enix side of things if you want anything from Square Enix on that on that console. <laughs> oh, and now I'm thinking like they got to get 1080 on there. You got to have 1080 snowboarding. Oh yeah, and yeah. So yeah, the, the more I think about it, yeah, like they're, oh yeah, Mario Golf, out, Mario Tennis, like, what the Mario heck Golf, am I Mario. T- yeah, see, there, yeah, there's a decent lineup here. Hmm. Well, yeah, we'll see. And yeah, and if I had to guess, it's probably going to be. Do you think it's going to be 80 or 100 bucks? Because it's. Controllers are going to be the big thing there with four-player. God, that's true. But I just I feel like them trying to charge three figures for a baby in sixty-four. I just don't know if that goes over well. Yeah, hard to say. That's hard to say. I feel like eighty would be the better price point because I feel like a hundred is when you start getting into like weird territory. Because you could you can buy a two DS XL with its you know completely new library of of relatively current generation games for only fifty more bucks than that. Mm-hmm. So it's like, why would you buy, you know, I just feel like $50 between an N64 Classic and a 2DS XL. I just feel like there's, yeah. I don't know, that's, that's a strange comparison to me. Yeah, that would be... Like, why wouldn't you go for the 2DS XL at that point? Unless, you, unless you're only there for the nostalgia, you're not, you're not an, an enthusiast gamer, you're only there to relive the games of your childhood, that's mm-hmm. different. But in terms of the value, why wouldn't you just go for a 2DS XL? Mm, true, but still, I mean, there's a lot of classics on there. Like, I just now thought of, like, oh, right, Pokemon Snap. Oh, right, sure, Pokemon yeah. Puzzle League. We actually get a yeah. Puzzle League game on there. True. Um, but it's just one of the Pokemon Stadium. Stadium would be a little weird, like, because the big connection, big thing was being able to connect with your Pokemon game. That's true, but I just, I just, yeah, you're right. I think I just want, you know, the game where that stupid announcer says, it's a revolving door of Pokemon. <laughs> yeah. I just love that goofy-ass announcer from Pokemon Stadium. I just want, I want him back. Yeah. He was, he was pretty great because he also was the announcer during the actual Pokemon Yeah, he was. And, he uh, was, yeah. So. It added so much authenticity to it. I it really it. did. It was, it was yeah. really cool to have. Yeah. Um. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I, I could see them going eighty if it's two controllers. Uh, probably a hundred if it's uh, four. Sure, I could see a hundred for four. Yeah, definitely for four controllers. I just I wonder how they make. Is there, is there a way to make an, a mini N sixty four controller that's not terrible? I mean, probably I mean, not. I'm, like, I'm sorry, the the, the full size N sixty four controller sucks. So I don't see how making it, low, you know, baby size is going to make it any less terrible. No, it's definitely not going to be any good. <laughs> yeah. That'll be interesting to see how they do that. Yep. That's for sure. But, uh, well, going off of uh, that, uh, just Nintendo and their hardware, uh, Nintendo has actually begun selling dockless Switch units uh, in Japan. Uh, now, the, right. what's really interesting about this, it's not just dockless. It also has no charger. It has no uh, Joy-Con grip. Um yeah, there's really not much to it. It is basically here's the Switch uh, console itself and the Joy Cons. Good luck. <laughs> Which I get. I mean, hey, if that's what you want, if if you're fine buying a Switch with the bare bones, you know, accessories with it, and you just you only want it as a handheld, that's viable. 
Yeah. I mean, there's there's ways this could work because they're selling they're so, sort of saying, you know, multifamily. Like another family member wants a, a a switch and rather than share one console, like each person can have their own. And um actually if you I don't know for anybody who watches um uh, or is aware of Beta 64. He's he's in Japan right now, and he's with a host family, and he really wants to get his host family, uh, with their kid, uh, a Switch because they really want one. They're really into Splatoon, and he's mm-hmm. done this little fundraiser thing for them to try to buy them one because the parents said, "Well, we don't want one to have it and the other one not to have it. So if we could get them both to have one, that'd be great." So he's attempting to do that. So it, I can I see totally see that kind of thing working where just one dock, two kids each with their own yeah. switch it kind of works for that or if you already have one and you just want one to uh you, you just want one to take with you on travels whatnot like because japan's totally into the uh idea of um much more into the idea of handhelds the only right. real problem i have with this uh idea is how much they're selling it for because it's only t- it's rather it's despite not having all that stuff it's still 250 dollars once you do oh, the conversion, you know, so yeah, which you're saving fifty yeah. bucks, which is crap, considering they sell the dock alone yeah. for eighty bucks. So that's ridiculous. Yeah, so that's, it, that's, that's the thing that gets me. It's like you have to spend eighty dollars to get yourself a second dock, and going dockless for a switch, you're. Like, yeah, you, you can just sort of see, like, how much Nintendo is screwing us on that deal. Like, well, yeah. How much pure not profits only, are getting from that. Well, and not only are you not getting a dock, but you're also not getting a, an AC adapter. Like, yeah. that's, that's crazy how bad the value is. Oh, yeah. It's not worth it to me. You might as well just get yeah. a second dock. I, I would never buy a dockless. I mean, unless I knew there was going to be no reason I ever needed to play my Switch on TV mode. But at the same time, though... If I'm not getting an AC adapter, and by the way, I just had a, a and I learned for the first time the other day that apparently the dock only works with the the official AC adapter yep. and USB C cord that comes with the, the the switch, which is absurd because USB C cords are supposed to be universal. That's the whole point <laughs> of them. But so while you while any cord will charge the dock or, or charge your switch in the dock, only the official uh, cord will let you output to the TV, and if you want to buy that, guess what? It's thirty bucks. So if you're so you're already spending thirty bucks on an AC adapter, which is two eighty. Then you add tax, and it's basically three hundred. Yeah, it's so. Why wouldn't you? Why would you ever buy this? Yeah, that's the thing. If it was two hundred bucks, yeah. great idea, sure. perfect. Yeah, at two fifty, no, this is a stupid deal. Yeah, because I mean, even if you're never ever going to use the dock. You, you still get the AC adapter f- with it, which is, you know, going to be 30 more bucks. So you're essentially paying 300 anyway. And if you get the dock, you can sell it at least and get some money back. Like, even if it's just 25, 30 bucks, you can still get some money back for it. How you can sell there's it for just, 50, sell the dock well, probably, yeah, for, 50 for 50 bucks. <laughs> yeah. So you can still get money. Yeah. So it actually does make more economical sense just to buy the full package. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, that's ridiculous. Yeah, it's Jesus. dumb. It's really dumb. <laughs> it's really stupid. Yeah. Wow, uh, it's like it's a good idea executed very poorly as far as the money. But who knows? I mean, it's super, Switch is doing super well in Japan, so yeah. maybe it'll work. Maybe it'll work in, in that situation. Who knows? But right. what's really interesting though 
is that the Switch version of uh, Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze has outsold the Wii U version's lifetime sales in just two weeks in Japan. And I'm not sure how big Donkey Kong is in Japan, but that seems really impressive. That is, I mean, it or just it's really sad. Continues <laughs> to, to. I know. I mean, it really just continues to underscore just how just how bottom of the barrel the Wii U was for Nintendo and just how flying high they are now. Like, it is incredible the difference from a few years ago to now. And it's not as if, like, the Wii U is just one of their, you know, kind of not selling, you know, it's kind of less performing systems. No, it was the worst that they've ever had. And, you know, followed by one of the best they've ever had. And so it doesn't really surprise me to see that they that it's outsold the Wii U version in two weeks. However... Still, when you lay it out like that, it's still kind of like, even if I'm not surprised, it's like, whoa, two weeks. <laughs> that's that's like, that really puts into, into stark perspective just how terribly the Wii U did. Yeah, it's kind of sad. It's kind of sad, but I mean, there's not really too much else to really say about it beyond that. It's just uh, another one of those interesting uh things about the switch yeah. just how much better again putting that finally getting that perspective on just how bad because again i never realized it i really didn't and yeah uh, yeah it's it's great to see what's weird to see though is resident evil 7 has come to the the switch in japan but only via a, a, a streaming only version that's basically it's resident evil 7 cloud version or biohazard 7 and uh, Andre tried it out, and of course he's trying to stream a game from Japan in the States, so it's not exactly a stable co- uh, connection or anything like that. Um, yeah. And But even, like, I think Cirque uh, Toto on Twitter tried it out himself, and it's like, yeah, it works, <laughs> but it doesn't exactly look good, and it doesn't yeah. play as well. And it just seems like such an odd choice. It almost seems like they're experimenting with the idea than, than like viewing this as a legitimate thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I find myself wondering if maybe they just they realize, of course, you know, Capcom has 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 been reacting to the Switch's success and getting as many of their franchises on there as they can. And I'm just wondering if this was maybe their attempt to like, okay, we've got to get. Resident Evil on Switch. We got to get Seven. It's our latest one. We got to get it on Switch because Switch is doing so well. But we don't have the time and don't want to spend the money to develop a proper <laughs> version of Resident Evil Seven for the Switch. So let's just try this streaming thing and see if it works. And I guess it's kind of working. But I don't. Yeah, I don't know if this is really the the format that's really going to work very well for Resident Evil on the Switch. Yeah, I just maybe not. I mean, I can yeah. totally see them using this as a way to get Monster Hunter World on the Switch. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, not sure how well it would work or anything like that. I honestly have no idea. It's it's very strange to me, but it also can kind of see where they're coming from. But, God, I would not buy it to get this version. Because Resident no. Evil 7 is great. It is a legitimately, like, one of my favorite games in the series. Um, would not get this version. Would not recommend yeah. it. Just get a PS4 and get that. <laughs> get it that way. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, that's and that's the, that's the thing. It's just there are, you know... There are always going to be some of those games out there that just, you know, the, the Switch is awesome for what it is, and it does so many things so well, but there are always going to be some of those games that just, they need that extra horsepower, or you're looking at a compromised experience, mm-hmm. and Resident Evil 7 does seem to be like one of those games. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, But speaking of the PlayStation 4, 
kind of odd bit here from the PlayStation, PlayStation CEO where they said that the PlayStation 4 has entered the final phase of its life cycle, which I guess makes sense. Like how long this, hasn't this PlayStation been out for PlayStation Four been out for what four or five years at this point? Yeah, let's see. Let's look. It's it has been a weird generation. That's uh, the thing. It still feels like it's just starting. Yeah. So it came out actually November fifteenth, twenty thirteen, which means we're coming up on five years. Yeah. And I gotta say it. At least to me, the, the the this generation feels like it's barely halfway over. I am not ready for a PS5. I'm not ready for. I'm perfectly happy with my PS4 Pro. I'm I'm playing games that look like Horizon Zero Dawn and and Dad of Boy, and I'm like, why do I need a system that, with games that look better than this? I I don't. Yeah. I, like I really don't. And I, I'm just not ready for the PS4 to be dead. I'm not ready to be to have to buy a PS5 for like the latest PlayStation games and. You know, I, fortunately, I do still think that that's, you know, a good three years out. In fact, I think the CEO might have even said that, like, oh, yeah, we're still a good three years out from the PS5. But still, three years, that's, it doesn't feel like we're more than halfway through this generation. It's, it doesn't, I don't know, it's weird. It also comes across as weird to me that you're communicating, like, oh, yeah, we're going to kill this system soon. Right. Like, no, don't do that. That seems like a dumb idea. That yeah, like would inspire me. Like, like, like I said, I'm getting a my new place. I'm also considering getting a new TV that would be 4K compatible as sort of like right. a little present to myself. And if I do that, I'm like, well, maybe I want to get a PlayStation 4 Pro. Right. And it's like, but then if I see this, it's like, well, should I bother upgrading to a Pro or not? I don't know. Right. Well, yeah, I mean that's that's true. I mean, I can I can say that I've been happy that I upgraded, and I I still only have a 1080p screen. But even for 1080p owners, there are enough improvements across various games that I felt like the pros worth it. But mm-hmm. but yeah, it it just doesn't. Oh man, it's too soon. I don't want PS5 in three years, and that makes me wonder too. Like, okay, I I'd always kind of assumed that Horizon Two is going to end up being one of the you know the the final games, the final big games for PS4, but. I'm starting to wonder if if it's going to come in three years, the, the PS5, presumably. I wonder if Horizon 2 might be a PS5 launch game. Maybe. I mean, at that point, let's see, uh, three three years from now, that's 2021. What time did, when did Square say they were estimating for Final Fantasy VII Remake's release date? What oh, Was it 2022 well, or 2021? I think 2022, yeah. Which, so that is going to be a early PlayStation 5 title, which, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, and of course, they say if they said 2022, that really means 2028 at the earliest. That's really what that means. Midway through the PlayStation 5's life cycle. That is pathetic. Never forget, Kingdom Hearts 2 came out in 2006. Mm -hmm. And it is 2018. I mean, I don't. Yes, all of us know Square Enix for their unreasonably, ridiculously long turnaround times. But did anybody ever think that we wouldn't have gotten Kingdom Hearts 3 12 years later? I know. I mean, like, the, what? The thing is with that, with Square, is that some games, they are very quick with a turnaround. They're very good about getting more games out there. Like Dragon Quest. Dragon Quest is pretty, has, a, has had a pretty consistent schedule. Uh, get spinoffs or anything like that. It's just like it feels like it's handled very well. Final Fantasy, it's like this big thing, and then you got to wait how long in order to get that big thing. It's it's very strange. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Like Square does a lot of right things, but it, like it's funny with their biggest franchises, that's where they screw the pooch the most. It is really weird. I I just yeah. It, it's, it just seems to me that a lot of Square's development priorities are 
misaligned. As much as I love Square and I love their games, I love their production production values. Like I'm a big Square Enix fan, but no game should be taking eight plus years to come out these days. Like <laughs> I just, I mean, I mean, and it's not because obviously games take more resources and time and money and energy to develop than ever because of the way technology is today. But that to me says there's a failing in the production process somewhere because we see other games, we see other companies like EA and, and Ubisoft and other, they're making these crazy looking AAA games in three to five years. So why can't Square do that? Like it's again, it's not the tech; it's the fact that there's something going on in Square's production process that's just really making these things take a lot longer than it should. Yeah, I I don't get it, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. But eh. uh, I'm I'm sure by 2021 we'll probably see uh, a PlayStation Five. Yeah, it, it might, we might. Yeah, 2021 mm. or 22. Yeah. But you know what's coming out a lot sooner than that, Ash? What's that? Mega Man 11. Cause it sure seems to be, yeah. <laughs> PlayStation Singapore that, leaked it um, when they put out an official page for Mega Man 11 with a release date for, for uh, October 3rd, but Singapore is 12 hours ahead of me, so that's uh, basically October 2nd for us. <laughs> right, which, I mean, that falls right in line with Capcom saying, you know, that, that Mega Man 11 would come out in late 2018. That's pretty much falls perfectly in line with that and mm-hmm. i kind of figured it would be i kind of had guessed either september or october so this kind of See, falls i was right thinking in line november I thought. november december that was i don't know why i thought that but that's just what i kind of assumed that yeah would take longer i don't know i mean i think maybe well i think because it was i guess because you know it was announced at the 30th anniversary stream back in december and what we saw already looked like it was already really far along in development it didn't look like it was something that had just been you know, that had just gotten out of alpha or beta. Like, it looked like it had been worked on for a while. So, yeah. And when they said late 2018, I kind of figured, well, they can't release a new Mega Man game in November because it's November. And, I mean, as much as I love Mega Man, I know the score. They, why would they release a new Mega Man game next to, like, a AAA heavy hitter, you know? Yeah. So, you know, I figured, well, they, they probably want to avoid the, the November deluge. So it's got to be either September, October, or maybe December. But I kind of feel like it's not going to be December. So that's kind of what I was thinking. And that makes complete sense. And early October, that's a good that's a good spot. That really It is. I mean, that that way they're I think they're basically right next to, if I remember correctly, there that puts them right next to Valkyria Chronicles, which that's something Yeah, that, they'll be yeah, fine. Like Mega Man, that that's exactly what Mega Man should be next to. Yeah. Something like that. I mean, it's it makes sense it's, it's also really good that it's not coming out in September because holy crap September. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So uh, that does seem like a like a, a period of relative calm where where Mega Man can really shine and and you know not be not have to share the spotlight with other you know notable releases mm-hmm. and such. So and also just a good release schedule for Mega Man in general, especially on the Switch because we just got Legacy Collection uh, one and two uh, this month. In midsummer, right. we'll have X X Legacy Collection one and two, and then a couple months later, we'll have Mega Man eleven. Like that's a, that's a good constant stream of Mega Man. By so by the time you finish with th- this set of games, the next one comes yeah. out. Next, finish that set of games. Hey, Mega Man eleven's coming out. <laughs> no, I mean it, it's an amazing year for Mega Man fans. Like I never thought that we get another year. Well, hey, I mean I I never I wasn't sure I ever thought we'd get another new game ever like this. I like I've said before what, that I thought that if we ever got a new Mega Man game. That it would probably be a reboot, mm, a but reboot, no, or based off the true, new cartoon. <laughs> exactly, but no, we're getting a true blue, no pun intended, Mega Man Eleven, and that's coming hot on the heels of all these other releases. And 
that's like I've said before, the, the most exciting part about that is not everything leading up to Mega Man 11. It's that all this stuff is coming out, then 11, and then for for the first time in eight years, the future actually is open, and we don't know what's coming next, but we know that there's probably not nothing, and that's, that's what the most exciting part is, I mean, I'm, is that Mega Man's officially alive again. Yeah, I'm honestly really looking or forward active. to it. Uh, it's, it's, it's funny, because... I got all these like you talk about all the games you have to review. Like I I, rev- I also reviewed uh, Hyrule Warriors, so that's plenty of gameplay. But then I got Sushi right. Striker. But I also really want to pick up the Legacy Collection one and two because I only got the original Legacy Collection on PlayStation Four. Um, oh right, yeah, okay. And I was like, you know, I was like, I, I would like to play uh, seven through uh, seven through ten again and experience yeah. all that stuff. So it just makes sense to. It's Switch is really going to be a Mega Man mach- machine for me, which I'm cool with. I mean, hell, it really, I mean, we, we've been talking, and I said this in my review, but we were talking about how cool it sounded, in theory, to have all 10 Mega Man games, and then the X games eventually, on your Switch, you know, digitally, and I can fully confirm that it is as great in practice as it is to talk about in theory, because I'm just like, yeah, I have 1 through 10 that I can just switch between, and they all play really well on the Switch, and they look great, and... Yeah, I mean, it's awesome to have the entire series mm, on the Switch. Absolutely. So, bring it on. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't wait. And, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm so, obviously, so excited for Eleven. And uh, I just can't wait. Mm-hmm. Me neither. But, uh, well, I think that takes care of it for our news topics this week. So, let's go ahead and jump over into our Patreon topics. And, as always, for just $1 a month, you can get these podcasts Usually three days early every Friday. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. We do our best, but sometimes projects get in the way, and uh, yeah, yes. But uh, well, and, ma- and making the case is worth it too. I think most people would agree that making the case. <laughs> you're just, for you just, was I don't so think it was it. worth it at all. I think that was total crap. Yeah, bandana D for life. <laughs> right. Uh, oh, but yeah, so get those fun. podcasts three days early every Friday. Uh, as well as uh, offer up topics like the ones we have here, plus get access to our VIP lounge in our official Discord server. So, yeah. Uh, uh, I almost called you Andre. Ash, (laughs) there's the greatest insult. You uh, went against me in court. Now you're considered Andre. (laughs) I know, right? Uh, Uh, Sure, I can go first. Okay. Uh, let me find my topic, though. Where did it go? Oh, there we go. Okay, so my I have two kind of related topics that I picked because they were very close to one another. Uh, so I'm just going to go ahead and read them both. Um, the first one comes from Bubblebutt, uh, great username, <laughs> who says, uh, Hey, GX crew, I've been a huge fan for a long time, and your discussions are some of the most fun things to listen to throughout the years. Now, my question might seem a bit candid, but hear me out. With the rumors of Pokemon Let's Go looking more real than ever, what are your thoughts on the nostalgia aspect? Having followed every game pretty much Every game pretty much since they started coming out, it bumps me out a little bit how reliant they could be with Kanto and some of the latest entries, and now uh, they would be going back to Kanto a third time. Personally, I just feel a bit tired of Gen 1 because of it. With that said, do you guys see this return to Kanto as a good thing for the series? Could this be something of a cheap attempt just for sales? Whatever your answer, thank you so much for reading and keep being awesome. So thank you so much for that, Bubble Butt. And on a related note, Peter Haywood asks, Hey GX, here's my topic. How much should a series ban- lean on nostalgia, and when is it too much? And has Pokemon crossed that line if the latest rumor is true? So, thank you, Peter. Thank you, Bubble Butt. And I figured I would just kind of read both of your questions because they're so related. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's a—it's obviously not a mistake that they, you know, if this turns out to be real, 
that with Pokemon Switch, they're going back to Gen 1 and, and kind of leaning really heavily on the original 150 and that nostalgia aspect because they seem to want to play it safe with the, with the series' first outing on the Switch. With that said, I do think there is such a thing as is leaning too heavily on nostalgia, and even though there are aspects of this Pokemon Let's Go rumor slash leak, like whatever you want to call it, there are aspects of it that I think are interesting and that I think could really work. I have to say I am a little disappointed that we're not going to be exploring a, a brand new Generation 8 region on, on the Switch. I was kind of really hoping that if we didn't get, you know, a Gen 7 third version on the Switch, that we'd get a true Gen 8. Because we already I, got a Gen 7 wanna... third version. <laughs> oh, good point. Yeah, it's funny because I don't think of Ultra Moon like that, but it is that. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's, yeah. So I was thinking, okay, well, if it's not going to be Alola in HD, then I really do hope that we're getting a brand new region to explore on our TVs and in high definition. And that seems not to be the case if this bears out. And I got to say that is a little disappointing. Um, I am not necessarily ready to go back to Kanto yet again. But on the other hand, we haven't really seen Kanto represented in you know, with modern tech, with modern graphics. So the last, the last time we went to Kanto, as far as I remember, was Fire Red and Leaf Green, which were great. But it could be really cool to revisit Kanto in a 3D context. So I do think there is such a thing as leaning too heavily in nostalgia, and I do think Pokemon might be getting to that point with these rumored games. However, I do like the idea of kind of re-exploring that region from a new perspective. Yeah, we... Uh, obviously, with uh, Kanto, they've been uh, definitely leaning on that more and more. Like, with X and Y, they leaned on that because you could get one of the Kanto starters in, in, in that, and you also, of course, the heavy marketing for Mega Mewtwo uh, and all those. Then with Alola, you had all the Alolan forms and a lot of mentions of Kanto. Like, they were slowly building, like, saying you know, showing how much love they had for the original Kanto. But if the rumors are true for Pokemon Let's Go, it doesn't quite bother me because we're getting the Kanto Pokemon. And yeah, it sucks if that other part of the rumor is true where it's only the first 150. That part is really disappointing. Yeah. But to me, like, yeah, we've seen the Pokemon a lot, but actually going back to Kanto, seeing how it's changed and... Uh, made different uh, for its own game is really fascinating to me because, as Ash said, we saw it um, in Fire Red, Leaf Green. We saw uh, we also saw it in um, Heart Gold and Soul Silver, thanks to the, the nature of, the, oh, right. of those games. But again, that's still DS technology, and right. they didn't change it much from, of course, what it was like in the original games. It's just a little bit of a facelift, and I think for this, they almost have to find a way to balance redesigning Kanto completely with balancing what what you know before. Because, obviously, can't in the grand scheme, Kanto is not that big for... It fit on a Game Boy. So you got to expand mm-hmm. it now and have new things to explore and new things to do, unless they are going to just keep it that small. It's hard to say. But it's the, it's the aspect of actually visiting Kanto itself that I'm most excited about. The Pokémon... Yeah, that's a bit disappointing that you're not getting any of the stuff from the later gens to really mix it up or at least get Johto Pokemon in there. 
Um, I think that's my least favorite aspect of the whole thing. It's it's less about revisiting Kanto because I actually I was going to say like listening to what you're saying about it, I actually agree that it can be really fun to visit a world that you know very well from from classic games and seeing it in, in a new context. Like that was one of the reasons I was so hyped for a Link Between Worlds was because that version of Hyrule from A Link to the Past is one of my favorites. Like I know it like the back of my hand because I played A Link to the Past so much growing up. So I'm like I want to. I want to vis- revisit all my old haunts and see how has how has this version of Hyrule changed in the past 500 years or however many years it was between 300, mm-hmm. however many years it was. <laughs> but um, but I just, I love that aspect of it. And one thing that Pokemon has always been very good at is world building, and they've done a really good job, in my opinion, building the Pokemon universe out between different regions and kind of making it feel like one interconnected experience. And so I feel like they'll continue to do that with Kanto and Let's Go if, if these rumors end up being true. And that excites me. But my problem with that, again, is if, if the other part of the rumor ends up being true, where we're only getting the first 151 Pokemon, that feels unnecessarily limiting and kind of going against that whole world-building thing. Like, I think it would be... I mean, after all, we've, we've seen all these different regions now who have Pokemon from other regions. So it makes no sense for Kanto suddenly to have, like, this entirely closed ecosystem where there are no Pokemon from other regions. <laughs> and it's like, I know I want to see Kantoan forms of Alola Pokemon. Mm-hmm. I want to see Alola Pokemon migrate to Kanto and see how they change. Yeah. Like that would be really cool. I think. Yeah. I mean, and even then, like again, with gen two, um, one, there were Johto Pokemon on in Kanto. Yeah. So it, it, it's not unheard of. Um, it's just one of those things where eh, I'm not sure. It's, it's 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 the Pokemon aspect that I'm the most disappointed in at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, visiting Kanto and seeing how it's changed because that was one of the coolest things about her, uh, Gold and Silver was seeing how Kanto changed in just two years and all the things they could do with it is really right. exciting for me. Uh, and especially seeing it in HD, that's that's a really cool aspect. It's just the seeing the same Pokemon again. And not really being able to get like who knows if even like like Lickitung can become Licky Licky if you want and maybe you can't have access to that in this game. Same with Magneton going yeah. into Magnezone or getting Rhyperior. There's you're missing out on that stuff. Um, so it just feel it ends up make, maybe making it feel a little bit more basic in that respect. And as far as leaning too much into nostalgia, they've done it. A, Pokemon is definitely threading that line, and we're, we'll have to see how much they do it with this game. But if if Gen Eight leans hard into Kanto as well, that is definitely the sign that geez, they need to get away from yeah. Kanto a bit. You know, just yeah, focus on something else a little, maybe a little bit more, or something to that degree. Um, something to change it up because uh, it's just getting a, a, a bit too much. And that's the thing. It's, it's, it's if you focus, I, I don't think it's bad for a series to lean on nostalgia, um, but it depends on what parts of their nostalgia they lean on and how often they do it. If they're leaning on the same right. parts of nostalgia all the time, like Sonic and Green Hill Zone or Mario <laughs> and uh, certain aspects of Mario Brothers 3 for a while there, it can get old for some people because they're just focusing on that aspect of the series. And you want to see them... You, it's not like you hate nostalgia because of that. It's like, right. no, how about another aspect of nostalgia? This part of nostalgia that I'm really, uh, you know, want to know about. That's why people are, uh, like, 
Andre was really excited with his Mario plus Rabbids preview hearing the theme song from DK64. Because that's right. not an aspect you hear, hear get uh, nostalgic reimaginings that much. That's right. cool to see that that part is being recognized. So it's that's where the I think the the line the crossing the line is as if you focus way too much on that one aspect, it gets old and you're just you're just sick of it. Well, totally, and and I and I mean, hey, you're you're talking to a Mega Man fan, so I think you know, like I've seen Capcom kind of toe the line on both sides, like I. As much as I like Mega Man Nine, the way they did that was really, really cool because it hadn't really been done before. Mega Man Nine was kind of what kickstarted that whole trend of retro D makes almost mm-hmm. yeah, that kind of like Neo eight bit wave of you know of, of new retro games. But on the but on the other hand, when Mega Man Ten did the same thing, it's like okay, I actually really like Ten, and I might have even liked it a little more than Nine. But I was already getting tired of them leaning so heavily on the 8-bit nostalgia aspect of it because it's like, okay, yeah, I love 8-bit Mega Man games as much as the next person, but Mega Man's, we've seen how much more than that Mega Man is and can be, which is why I'm so much more excited for 11 than I was 10 because, you know, even if I really like 10 a lot, they're leaning on the on the parts of nostalgia that I want them to, which is the gameplay. The gameplay is still the tried and true gameplay that I love about Mega Man, but they're looking ahead and they're facing forward in other ways. They're not leaning on the same exact sprite, the same exact graphical formula that they, that they have for nine and ten and the first six games. Like they're actually making a modern Mega Man game with modern design sensibilities and visuals. And that's what I've been wanting. I, I I don't think fans wanted a new eight bit, another new eight bit game. So mm-hmm. I've seen, you know, you, you can toe the line in both ways. And I think that Capcom realized that fans didn't want yet another eight bit game that that leans so heavily on the nostalgia angle. Yeah. So I think it's I think it's about balancing the ways in which you lean on nostalgia with the ways in which you look forward and not just only leaning on nostalgia. Yeah, exactly. And like, I, I saw you tweet out that you're, you've actually started coming around more on Mega Man 8. Uh, in yeah, no, I have. And, and I've always loved yeah. the visual style of Mega Man 8. It is a gorgeous thing. Yeah, me too. And I think I just, I didn't think it played as well as it actually does. And I think I was like, wow, it looks really good and it sounds, you know, really nice, but it, you know, it's just, but it, it sacrificed playability for, for all that. And I think to a degree that's still somewhat true but it's but i've definitely come around uh, come around on it's not really sacrificing playability so much as it just is changing the pacing Mega Man 8 is just a differently paced game mm-hmm. and it just it plays differently in a deliberate sense than the other games it doesn't make it you know mean it's it's not as good it just plays differently and i think i've come around to that as opposed to feeling like no it sacrificed something no it's just it's just a different take on the formula <laughs> yeah exactly so I th- it'll be interesting to see whenever whenever the next Pokemon game gets revealed, it'll be see how far they lean on nostalgia. Uh, yeah. We'll see. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, well, my topic comes from Jesse Zuniga, who says, Hello, GX. What are some game mechanics or things in games that make a game artificially difficult, for example, ice levels and platformers, that you find bothersome or annoying? And thank... And thanks. I always look forward to every episode each week and keep it keep up the great work. So thank you, Jesse, for that question. And honestly, what really kind of drew me to this is that you used ice levels as an example as artificial difficulty. And I'm not sure I'm yeah. not, I necessarily agree with that. 
Uh, yeah, I don't think I agree with that either. Because I mean, it, I, I feel like that's also nat- that's natural. Yeah, that's exactly. It's like the idea behind it is like, hey, you know your uh, your basic move set at this point. Let's throw in, hey, let's make your controls a little bit looser and make you adjust for that and sort of figure out ways to deal with this new challenge. I think it's a natural new challenge. Sure, it is annoying. It is a pain in the butt. They can be done wrong. Same with water levels. That's why people aren't usually a fan of water levels because they just tend to be not fun. But they are they are a different challenge. And I think water levels more work in that prospect that aspect because for most games you're not in the water that much. So oh great, now I get to swim, and it's right. it's like it, it's a it's a way to change up the gameplay, but not necessarily make it as fun or as interesting and i get and that goes all yeah. the way back to the original super mario brothers because you know it did not take long to get a water level in that game and change up how it was all done but it was still i guess it did change up it, it did add variety to what you were doing and it can be appreciated in that way but as far as um a game mechanic that i find actually annoying or bothersome um i think it's when they st- start taking away abilities like taking away options for you and I'm, like, That's and I'm trying to yeah. think of a game that does that sort of thing, and I can't off the off the top of my head. But go ahead. I mean, what, what, what about you, Ash? Well, it's funny. It's funny. I was at, we we just got done talking about Mega Man, but I was going <laughs> to think of an, of another game that did do that, that took away options. And I think it's a great point. I didn't like that Mega Man Nine took away the slide. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I the, or or really the charge the charge shot. But I can get I can understand more why it took away the charge shot and, and I can I can deal with that. But the slide felt like an objective loss. It didn't feel like you were getting anything back. Like with the with the charge shot you're getting a, a rebalancing of game mechanics, you know, to, to make things a little less overpowered for Mega Man. I get that. Yeah. But the slide felt like you were objectively taking a movement option away that made the game more interesting to speed run because you're sliding around to get through stages faster. And just get took away a, a dodge option for for boss fights that I'm just like, why would you take that away? Mm-hmm. And and so it made it feel harder than other Mega Man games in an artificial way that I didn't like. So I think you you made a great point about taking away abilities. Um, another way I would say that I don't like artificial difficulty is one hit kills, especially in a game that yeah. doesn't or didn't have them. And and what I'm thinking of specifically when I say this is Zelda's uh, second DLC pack. Breath of the Wild second DLC pack with that stupid, awful, terrible, hateful one-hit <laughs> obliterator nonsense. I hated that yeah. because it was, it was, it, it didn't feel. And and I'm I'm going somewhere else with this too. Not only did the one-hit obliterator feel like it didn't belong because it completely invalidated all the work he'd done to to get all these heart containers and and build up Link over the course of however many hours you've been playing the game, but you also get uh, segments like stealth sections like in Breath of the Wild where suddenly okay. This game that has been played by all you, yes, at all these rules that it's played by, all the way up to this one specific stealth section where, inexplicably, now all the the adventuring and all the stamina and all the health that Link has gained <laughs> over the course of his adventure, for whatever reason, suddenly these Yiga Clan goons can one shot one shot kill him, and it's like, not only does that not make sense within universe, it doesn't make sense within the the game the rules that the game has already established for itself. And that drives me crazy. I hate when artificial difficulty comes by way of a game breaking its own, its own immersion or its own logic. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. No, I, that I, drives me crazy. I, I, I totally get you. And it, it's one of those things like it, it can, but again, taking away that aspect and uh, one hit kills can work. Sonic 2, the bot, mm-hmm. the, those 
it is brutal. It is very brutal, but it's also, <laughs> uh, I, I kind of like the aspect of like, yeah, you've been relying on rings this entire time. No rings. Yeah. Deal with it. <laughs> Yeah, I I do think it could be made a little bit it more fair work. if they maybe gave you three yeah. rings to to start with and then then go from it. Mm-hmm. But yeah. that's a that's an odd one. I can totally see people hating that. I can sort of see people being like, "Yeah, I love that challenge." Uh, it's uh-huh. it's a weird thing, but I think it's when when a game mechanic uh, is doesn't work. It's like. Like, if they give you a set of rules and this is how the game plays and then you get used to those rules and then they just specifically design something to say, no, screw those rules, we're going to kill you this way, that's when it gets right. unfair. Like, uh, all of a sudden, like, there's no indication and you fall into a bottomless pit. Uh, that's that's completely unfair and annoying. But if there's right. a, um, like, hey, uh, here's a little teaching tool, like, if you step on these platforms, they'll fall. But if you step on these platforms, mm-hmm. they're safe. And a lot of games do that. And it, it makes a lot right. more sense. And it's uh, it's cool. To, it, it's very satisfying, especially in platforms, when you start, like, you get those pieces of difficulty. And then you have to slowly, and then the game slowly puts them together and increases the challenge by basically just yeah. combining all the things that it t- taught you. And if it doesn't teach you anything and starts killing you like that with bad enemy placements or stuff like that, that's when it's crap. Like, enemy right. placement can be one of the cheapest forms of difficulty. <laughs> that's true. And I was actually going to say, um, there, another way not to do it is just by throwing enemies, just throwing waves and waves of, of enemies at the player for no regard of how they're placed or, or, or the design of their placement. Like... One game that's that, and I, I, I promise I'm not specifically trying to go back to Mega Man over and over again. It just seems <laughs> to happen. But, but a, a game that is a perfect example of how not to do difficulty is Mega Man X6. And that, that game, I mean, that game is horrible in a lot of ways. But one of the ways in which it's horrible is the fact that it's difficulty instead of feeling natural, like, like it's like a just well designed but tough stages. X6 is solution to make game to make it hard is just to throw enemies at you non-stop just waves and, and just fill the screen with enemies such that no matter where you move you're probably going to take damage that's not fun mm-hmm. and that's not and that's not good difficulty that's just artificial just you know we're just going to throw all the enemies we can and, f- and fill the screen with as many <laughs> hazards as possible and that's hard no it's not it's just obnoxious absolutely i've seen that a lot and it's just like it gets to be too much and um it's a hard. It's a hard thing. Like like Castlevania is a difficult game, especially with that jump. But the game is built around that jump, so it's tricky. You have to learn it. You can make mistakes, but it never feels like the game's fault. When it feels like it's the game's fault, like I was True. doing fine. What the hell? That's that, that's when it gets really annoying. <laughs> yeah. Now now I will say. I mean, and it may have been built around it. And I agree with you about the Castlevania jump. But screw Medusa heads. I don't care if oh, they're yeah. if they're <laughs> built around it or not. I hate Medusa. I hate clock tower levels in Castlevania games <laughs> because of those damn Medusa heads. Oh my god. Uh-huh. See they're my the worst. The first Castlevania I ever played was Symphony of the Night, and so I was uh-huh. used to them like turning me into stone and sending me down to the uh-huh. bottom of the clock st- tower. And then you take more damage if they hit you while you're petrified. Exactly. So, so I thought like, yeah. that was why everybody hated Medusa heads. And then <laughs> I got to. Uh, you know, played the classic games and like, oh, there's an entirely different reason for people to hate Medusa heads. They just suck. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you can get a, of course, you can get around them and learn the uh, patterns and whatnot, but it does take some trial and error. Which, again, even trial and error can be kind of annoying. Where you like the game's like, no, you got to 
no, you got to learn how to do this. Um, and it's all about, I think it's all about good communication. If the, if the game is very good at communicating what you need to do in each specific spot and it's not, and it's, it has surprises, but surprises that you can prepare for, that's mm-hmm. what I, uh, that's what I think it works the best. Um, and, yeah, and there's and there's perfectly times where the ice physics are just so bad uh, that I can totally get why it, it, it'd be annoying and why people don't like ice levels. Right, right. Yeah, and and I, and I think it's just also important to like you need to. It, it's fine to have your you have really really super challenging elements in your games and, and have trial and error things that you have to just beat your head against the wall until you finally get it. But if you're going to do that, then you also have to balance that without by not being too punitive. And by and what I mean by that is checkpoints. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the one of the best things that I think the improvements that I think Banjo Kazooie made between the N sixty four version and the Xbox Live Arcade version is that you didn't lose all your note progress when you die. Yep. So, uh, w- which I found to be overly punitive in the original. So like you're in Rusty Bucket Bay and you have like ninety nine notes and you're in that one last room that's super hazardous and you just happen to die getting you know on your way to the hundred. It's why note, I stopped playing. You lose. Yeah, you lose everything, and that I don't think is good design. It's fine if you want to, you know, you you expect players to collect everything in a world. That's fine, but having no checkpoints and having it to start over whenever you die—that's too punitive. So balance your challenge with, you know, a good a good checkpoint system. Yep, exactly. Not repetition is never fun, and and especially the older I get, the more I'm like, if, if the more that a game asks me to repeat long stretches of game because of just one really difficult aspect that I keep having to try. The, the the quickly or the, the the more quickly I just lose interest because I'm just I'm too old for that. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm 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 old enough now that I can see you know how fast time passes. And it's like okay, so you know there is the the end is coming. Life is finite. It's not like I'm a kid and life just goes on forever. It's like okay, you know I do have a limited amount of time here. How much of do I really want to spend reattempting this same stretch of video game because of a stupid challenge? You know. Yeah. <laughs> I, not I, to get all morbid. No, really no, I totally get you. I think, I think it's, it's, I think it's like, pretty funny. But yeah, yeah, it's 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 interesting because I'm sure I'm sure anybody listening to this can think of a game that does challenge and balancing very well, and they can see yeah. something that doesn't do it very well. And it's when you start examining, like, okay, why does this one not do it well, but this one does? That's when you start to see, like, oh, okay, there like there really does have to be a lot of thought put in the game design and. You know, anybody making a really good uh, Mario Maker level will definitely know that. Yeah, and I, I really do think, I, I think one of the best things you can do is take that aspect of the game and when you can, put it, in, put it into the player's hands. Put, put that control in the player's hands. And one example of that is I think that the, the guys at Yacht Club did Shovel Knight's checkpoint system perfectly. I think it's genius. You can make the game as, as difficult and as punishing and as punitive as you want or, as, or not. You, you can hit every checkpoint and then you're going to have a really easy time or you can skip every checkpoint and if you die once you're sent back to the beginning of the stage but you made that choice mm-hmm. you chose to take that risk and that's what's beautiful about it is that you can set your own difficulty like that and I really think that when a game's design allows for that that's the way to do it mm-hmm. yep agreed so uh, great great question by the way Jesse thank you yeah it was fun uh, <laughs> well, you also wanted to do a quick shout out, not necessarily answering answering the question, but um, right, you wanted to at least yeah, do just a, a quick out. yeah, so just a quick shout out to Zombie Joe Three who says, uh, "Hey GX, so this past Monday I had to do one of the hardest things in my life and put down my dog Yangus. Amazing name, by the way. <laughs> uh, he was an amazing dog and truly lived up to his name his namesake when it came to trying to look all tough and serious." 
but really being a goofball. I've been thinking of, all, of the good times I had with him, like the time he stole a Reuben sandwich, and when I went to scold him, he gave me the saddest puppy dog <laughs> eyes ever. Needless to say, he enjoyed his sandwich as I caped. So I wanted to ask, what are some of your most favorite memories of pets that you used to or still have? So... Uh, thank you, Zombie Joe. And without, I don't want to spend too much time answering the actual question because we've already, you know, picked some topics. But I wanted to give you a shout out because I'm so, so sorry about what you're going through, and I'm actually going through the same thing. Uh, we haven't had to put down our dogs yet, but uh, we have two Yorkies uh, who live with my parents who are, you know, toward the end of their lives. They're they're old and they're old. They're getting up there in age, and they're, you know, we know that the end is coming very soon, and we may have to put them down soon. And it's the most impossible thing to even think about or even face. So I can't even imagine what it is you're going through right now. And my heart goes out to you. And I just wanted to give you a proper shout out and say that I'm so sorry for what you're going through and that Yangus sounds like he was an awesome dog and that he was very lucky to have such an awesome owner. So shout outs to you. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I I feel you, man. It's it's a rough. It's like because you can see it coming too usually. And it's exactly like we, we already see it coming with ours and like they're not suffering yet. So it's not at the point where we have to put them down and we may not. They may just go peacefully. But, you know, it's just getting to that point where you know that you have to start thinking about those things. And it's just like even just thinking about them now is just like it's hard not to get overwhelmed by emotion because it's like it's, you know, dogs and pets in general. They're just pure love. You know, it's just mm-hmm. nothing but love. And it's just it's the most difficult thing to even think about. So just so sorry you're going through that and uh and yeah like i said i can't i can't go into the memory aspect too too much yet because ours are still with us but that may very well be a question i revisit once they do pass so yeah hang in there and thank you so much for for you know mentioning that to us and uh just we're wishing you and your family all the best Yorkies are such lovable dogs too. <laughs> oh, they're so cute. My, my, oh, I, my, <laughs> I just love dogs in general, but yeah, Yorkies yeah. are just. Oh, oh my God. my dad has one, and um, oh. it, it. I I don't know if I've ever said this for newcomers. My dad actually is on a wheelchair. Uh, that's how he, he's just paralyzed from the waist down. So whenever he gets home from being out and gets he uh, gets home, the dog is there. And as soon as he gets in the door, jump up on his on his lap. So <laughs> he's just yeah. hanging out on his lap. Uh, loves yeah, like, just loves just, to hang yeah. out with him like that. And it's just like it's convenient. It's like oh, I get the ride and get pets. That's nice. <laughs> I know. I, I that's I cannot wait for my wife and I. We're we're gonna get a corgi at some point. Ooh, nice. I cannot wait. But uh, there's just there's nothing there's just nothing like it like an amazing pet dog whatever dog cat bird whatever animals you love. There's just nothing like that connection that you have with an animal. Mm-hmm. It's just there's nothing like it, and then uh, and there and there's nothing like that loss either. Because I I've I've had a dog before the the Yorkies that are uh, you know getting up up there in age now. I had a Yorkie growing up, and uh, she she got out and went missing one night. Actually, on Thanksgiving night, if you can believe oh, it. Um, yeah, she she went missing on Thanksgiving night, and she just never. She was she was kind of old by that by then, so we think she was blind. To, you know too blind to be able to find her way back home and it was just really sad and you know it's just the worst it's just it's it's unconscionable to to have to face that but uh Mm -hmm. you know somehow we do but it's just it's difficult because animals are just the most wonderful wonderful things yep absolutely oh boy well let's go ahead and end off this uh podcast with our Final question, our combined question for the week, and this one comes from Bell Aim. It says, Hey GX, I've been getting into watching more anime recently, and I'm wondering, what type of distribution method do you prefer between the, uh, between, uh, 
What type of distribution method do you prefer between the entire series being available at once, Netflix style, or waiting until all episodes are available to binge, or the traditional scheduled style like one episode a week? I recently started watching My Hero Academia and was spoiled at the beginning because the first two seasons were all available and I could watch them however I liked, four in a row, one per day, etc. But now I'm... But now I'm all caught up and have to wait a week between episodes. But the weird thing is, I can't decide which I prefer. One way gives me more control on when to watch, but also has more chance of spoilers happening. And the other forces me to pace and pace myself and potentially can keep up the hype going lo- longer. Uh, this doesn't have to apply to anime. It could also be TV series. Thanks so much and keep up the great work. So... I thought that was interesting just for yeah. this, uh, because we are in a binge culture nowadays. Everybody likes to binge <laughs> we stuff. We are. And I, I mean, I feel it. I, I also watched My Hero Academia, and it's one of those things where I also caught up on the first two seasons and was like, holy crap, this show is awesome. Cannot wait for season three. Oh my God, these episodes go by so quick. Why isn't the next yeah. one out yet? It's it's really, really rough. Um. And honestly, it's it's really hard to say. I, I honestly not sure which way, which I prefer. What, what about you, Ash? Do you have a you know I, preference? I'm kind of I'm in the same bind. I really don't know which I prefer for the same reason because I've really I've gotten to experience the best of both. So you know I guess I've gotten to watch you know animes that I love and if they're already out, so I don't have to wait and I get to binge watch them and that's awesome. Like I watched so many animes like that, like Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood and Devilman Crybaby and. And say, I mean, Sailor, even the original uh, Sailor Moon series, like we're watching all 200 episodes of that, and it's just nice to be able to watch that whenever we want. Um, and even, like, still probably my favorite TV show of all time, and I'm so glad Andre's not on this podcast anymore because oh, I can just God. hear him disapproving already. Me. But Lost, I, I, I know it's true, but like Lost. So I watched the first two seasons I, because I got into it after the first two seasons are done. So I got to. Oh God, you entered in the thir- was... the worst season, and you still stuck around. <laughs> That's amazing. I, well. I, I sorry, I entered in the gap between season two and three. So, oh, okay. so I was caught up by the time season three started. And um, so I got to binge watch the first two seasons, and that was awesome because that was like, you know, the hatch and the crazy mysteries. And I'm like, I would not have wanted to wait for all that. But then I got caught up. And yes, despite the problems in season three, I still really, I love the way season three ended. I thought season three ended incredibly strongly. But either way, I was at the point then where I had to wait every week, you know, week after week and, you know, I, I too started feeling, God, these 50-minute episodes go by so quickly when you're not binge-watching them and you only have one to, you know, to chew on per week. And as awful as that could be, and it's like, it's like oh, I just want to know what happens, I have to say I really enjoyed being part of the speculation culture mm-hmm. of, of Lost and, and, and of anything like that, not just Lost, but it's fun being part of that culture of speculating and, and, and just obsessing over what's going to happen. And, whoa, did you see that crazy season finale? What do we – we have to think about that for the next six weeks or six months? It's like yeah. as, as awful as it can be, it's also really exciting to be part of that. You oh, know? no, totally. I, I totally got that feeling, again, from Lost at the time I was because I was right there uh. with you because I watched from the <laughs> very beginning. I didn't uh. like the ending, so it's in retrospect being like, ugh. But right yeah. even currently, Game of Thrones, they, each week uh, – watching it all and it was it was fun to see people discuss and get into it especially since i had read the books now i'm in the blind part where i have no idea what's going to happen next and it's still fun to kind of see that thing and wait each week um but there's it, it, it also you can kind of do that if you can binge all of it because it's all there but it also it feels like you can't get into it right away it feels like you have to binge it all immediately if you want to be part of that discussion because some people are able to do that and they'll get right into those that talk 
immediately. So you do feel, unless you're right on it, you can feel left out. Uh, and so that is the disadvantage of the binge culture. Uh, if you're not into that, though, it's great because you can just watch whenever you want, take your time, and really get into it. By the way, Ash, I don't know if I recommended this to you bef- uh, before or not. A Gretzko on Netflix. You would love it. Okay, yeah. No, I don't think you – yeah, I don't think you have. Yeah. A Gretzko? Uh, yeah, it's called A Gretzko. Um, okay. It's actually done by Sanrio. You know, Hello Kitty and oh, all yeah. that. But yeah. it's basically uh, it's, it's basically uh, for – Adults, but not like Adult Swim type stuff. It's basically a, about a um, red panda office worker who's not appreciated at her, at her job, is just kind of miserable, and of course has to deal with the sexism and everything else going rampant in her in her life. And the way she unwinds is by going to the karaoke parlor and singing death metal. Nice. Okay. And it's it's ten it's ten episodes, fifteen minutes each. Really well done and entertaining and would highly recommend it for you. But it was like I watched that and I was able oh, to sure, watch yeah. it. And, like I'd watch three episodes and go do something else and I'd come back, watch a couple more episodes and just kept it going. And it was, like, it was nice to go at my own pace. And because it was kept on, on the shorter end and I was still able to be kind of part of the discussion or at least see like people talking about it and be like, yeah, I get that. <laughs> yeah. So. No, it, it's – yeah, it is nice to have everything – I don't know. Like it, it's a double-edged sword because I – like I said, I do really like having things available to binge. But at the same time, because we live in this binge culture now with like things like Stranger Things coming out all at once, it almost feels like you're under – and I'm, this is going to sound silly because obviously I'm under no social pressure to do anything other than <laughs> yeah. what I want to do. But if you want to be part of the conversation and if you want to if you want to participate in something that people are watching, it does feel like there's this – you have to rush. You have to watch it all. Watch it now. Now, now, now. Get it all so you can talk about all the spoilers. And that kind of bothers me. Like, mm-hmm. I just, I kind of wish I wasn't feeling like I had to watch it all at once if I don't necessarily feel like it just because I want to be part of the conversation. You know? You know? Yeah, totally. So it's, so it's hard to know where it comes down to. I don't find myself being part of the conversation too much anymore outside of actually uh-huh. anime. So I'm okay with normal shows being you know just available but i guess one other aspect that you got to keep in mind is that if you get too far behind it can seem insurmountable if you have a lot of stuff to that's binge. true as well like yeah. like oh god i have to get through six seasons oh god <laughs> but if, i mean you can yeah. slowly work through it but it's, it can be a little overwhelming at first <laughs> Now, this is just completely this uh, out of nowhere, but I was thinking about something that I would like to binge if I was a YouTube Red subscriber because I watched – it was one of those things where I watched the first two episodes and did not even realize how quickly the time flew by. But have you seen Cobra Kai? I haven't. I've seen the commercials for it and I've heard people say <laughs> it's, it's actually so pretty good. good. It's actually really good and I didn't ex- – I mean I'm not like a hardcore Karate Kid fan. It's not like I am like was have gone around thinking, man, you know what needs – like a sequel TV series, Karate Kid. I've never thought that in my life, <laughs> but it's actually really great. And But they only have the first two episodes for non-YouTube Red subscribers. And I have to say, I've never even thought about subscribing to YouTube Red, and I still won't, but that almost got me to really think <laughs> about it. I'm like, I really, really want to see the rest of this series. Yeah, I got you really tempted. Uh, honestly, yeah. though, I've never I've never seen any of the Karate Kid movies, but I did watch oh, okay. uh, How I Met Your Mother. Did you ever watch okay. that? Yeah, yeah. I didn't watch the whole thing, but I'd watch enough. Of Did it, you ever yeah. see any of the episodes where Barney was talking about, would talk about Karate Kid and he saw, he I saw the bully as the hero? Like, yeah, I think I saw like a couple of those. I know what you're talking. So when about. they made this yeah. Cobra Kai, I was like, did they just take make 
Barney's dream come true with this. That's kind of essentially exactly what it is, and it's really well done. Mm-hmm. I, I recommend definitely watch at least just watch the first Karate Kid if you ever decide to go watch. Oh it, yeah, you know, check it out. But but it is really good. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I've seen the uh, the uh, previews, and it seems like oh, that's cute because it was like, hey, how do you want me to watch this? I don't give a <laughs> crap. Exactly, and it's and it's just so it's just super corny. It just has fun fun with itself. It's it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Did they get the original Karate Kid back, or is it just another actor? No, Ralph Macchio. They got they got both of them. Oh back. wow, they got that's both impressive. Of the original actors back, and they like they play with the that in universe. It's like no, this is really them all these years later, and now they've got regular jobs and, and a kid, and you know it's like mm-hmm. regular life is caught up with them. But what happens when that kind of comes back into the fold? You know? Yeah, that's pretty cool. It's cool, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, really, it just comes down to taste and what you want to do personally with the whole thing. But uh, it, it, it yeah. is, I think the toughest thing is going from binging to episode to episode. That is a tough transition. It is, yeah. Going from that, to, yeah, it's a really tough transition for sure. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Well, I think that takes care of it for episode 103 of the Game Explained Real Talk podcast. As always, you guys can support us on Patreon. Uh, just $1 a month to get these podcasts, hopefully three days early, uh, offer up topics like the ones we just had here, and access to our VIP room in our di- uh, official Game Explained Discord. So thank you guys so much for watching, and we'll catch you next week for episode 104. Until then, bye.